The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 9 The Roar of the Iron Dragon As Paris slept, she dreamt. She was standing in the surf of the Pacific Ocean. How she knew that, she was not sure. She looked across the water. It washed onto her feet and then ran back into the ocean. It felt like water, but it wasn't. It was a black and white drawing of water, defined only by black lines on paper. But she stood in the drawing. The sun was setting into the water. It was only a black line of a half circle, dipping into the black line of a watery horizon. Little black lines surrounded the sun, indicating the heat it gave to this paper and ink world. She turned away from the ocean. Little black V's and M's flew in the air. Behind her, up on the beach, was the drawing of a house. She recognized it. It was the wise-cracking detective's house from San Francisco. Her mind corrected her. No. She knew somehow it was not. It was her house. Inside, she knew, the most beautiful woman in the world waited for her. Helen, she said aloud. Never before in any dream had this woman ever had a name. And now, she knew who it was. She began to run. The paper and ink held her up as it suggested it should. She struggled through the sand, but the steps of the porch held her feet. The ink lines of the handrail felt real in her grasp. She reached the landing before the front door. She stopped. It was the dream. The door, behind which Helen was waiting. But it was different than before. She looked to her left on the porch. There sat a black cat with a pink nose. It blinked at her. Next to the cat sat a spider. It looked like her spider, Sticky Breeches. The cat and the spider weren't drawings. They were real. The cat looked at the door and then to Paris. Helen, thought Paris. What if I open the door and wake up? Go on, said the spider, its voice soft and feminine. Sticky Breeches? Paris asked. That's not my name, said the spider. Well, it doesn't seem anyone can keep their names straight these days, thought Paris. She opened the door, and there I stood. Helen, I love you, said Paris. Paris had fallen asleep in the desk chair. She was fully dressed and wearing all of her guns. She had said she wanted to be ready for anything, but I know she needed some time to think, and apparently to dream. Paris stood suddenly, realizing where she was, and that she had just told me she loved me. I ran to her before she could speak again, and I covered her mouth with my fingers. Shh! Don't say it. I know you were asleep. I know you were dreaming. It must have been nice. But if you try to explain, if you try to take it back, you may accidentally say that you don't love me, and that I could not survive, because... I love you, too. I uncovered her mouth, but before she could speak, I kissed her. 
she softened and kissed me back. Then there was the sound of a cannon in the distance. The world jumped and shuddered as we kissed. It was like being struck by thunder. And then the world went sideways. The back of the train lifted into the air, and Paris and I started to fall towards the door. She spun mid-fall, holding on to me, so that she hit the wall first. I landed onto her, and she rolled me over. As the silverware, teapots, a cigar box, and all sorts of small items began to rain down on us from inside the car, she hopped up to stop the larger pieces of furniture racing towards us. She was now standing above me, as I lay across the door. She brushed aside the small couch, the chairs, the lamp, and the dining table, then braced herself for the desk, by far the largest piece of furniture not bolted down. It fell towards us. Paris caught it. For a moment she just held it as the train fell back to the ground with a whump, and everything slid off the wall and back onto the ground. Paris got up from the desk. Now on the ground she turned to me. We're under attack. What should we do? Cover. We need cover. Paris began to move the desk to the center of the car, then pushed it against the wall to the right. Together we stacked chairs on top of it and the couch in front of it, with the table on the couch. Quickly, her impromptu barricade was erected. We heard the key in the door. Paris drew her gun. Don't shoot me, it's Oscar, said Odysseus. Get in, quick, called Paris. Odysseus entered. How many? Paris asked. What? The attack. How many people are attacking? When Paris was younger, her mother had set a gun in her hand. They had built a makeshift scarecrow together, and it stood a short distance from them. Paris held the gun with both hands and raised it, aiming at the cloth heart in the center of the scarecrow. Stop! Her mother set a hand on the gun, pushing the aim back down to the ground. You're about to begin to play a game. But before you do, you need to know if you can win, because if you lose, you will die. So, how many enemies are there? One, Paris answered. How many bullets do you have? Six. Can you kill your enemy before they kill you? Yes. Then let's see it. Her mother let go of the gun. Paris lifted it and fired, hitting the scarecrow in the fabric heart. Paris had killed the scarecrow. She smiled at her accomplishment and at her mother, proud. She had fired a gun for the first time. She was ten years old. There, you won the game, her mother patted her on the head. What do you call the game? I call it peekaboo. There seems to be six of them. They're definitely here for Helen. They're lining up all the female passengers for inspection. It wouldn't take them long to figure out she's in here. We should run. Odysseus explained. How many guns have you got? Asked Paris. None. I don't care for them. Have you ever fired a gun? Not since I was fourteen, and I wasn't good at it then. But you're a detective. What if you need to arrest someone? I'm a detective, not a flatfoot. I detect. When I have detected what has happened in a given situation, I write up a report and give it to other people. If they want to shoot someone over it, that's their business. Or, in this case, your business. Well, we can't run. We'll be in the open. Here, we have some cover, but it's not ideal. Can we get out the back door? No, 
It's bolted shut. The door we came through is the only way in and out. We're dead in the open, but we're kind of fish in a bucket here. Paris yelped as she was hit in the head with the green walnut. She quickly ducked behind a large tree. Her mother stood in the grove of walnut trees, the trees full of young walnuts, their green husks still fresh. Paris had a handful of them. So did her mother. Paris dodged from tree to tree, trying to hit her mother with a walnut, but every time she stepped out to throw one, she got hit instead. Don't let your enemies see you. If they can see you, they can kill you. Stay behind cover. Paris peeked out and was hit with another walnut. Ow, that hurt. Bullets hurt a lot more. Stay behind the tree. But I can't hit you from behind the tree. That's right, you can't. But if you come out where I can see you, Paris's mother saw her crawling behind a log and whipped a walnut at her, bouncing the green orb off the top of her head. The game is over. You are dead. Paris scrambled for a larger tree. But you're not hiding. I'm not. So what are you going to do about it? Paris stood against a tree and held her breath. She had an idea. Her mother stood and waited, but the grove grew silent. Finally, thought Paris's mother. Walking around the tree, Paris was not behind it. There was no tracks leading away. Paris let out a small giggle. Her mother looked up just in time to see a cascade of walnuts rain down from the branches above, and Paris standing triumphant on the branch. Paris knew she could take cover behind the barricade she had erected in the train car, but all that they would have to do is wait for her to come out, and then she'd be dead. She couldn't move in here without stepping into the open. Odysseus looked around. I have an idea. Help me. Odysseus grabbed the sheets off the bed and tossed them to Paris. He then gathered up the forks and silverware scattered on the floor. Standing on a chair, he hung the sheets like a curtain across the center of the train by jamming the forks into the gaps between the wooden slatted planks on the ceiling. When he was done, he opened the windows on the front side and closed the ones in the back, drawing their curtains. That should help, said Odysseus. We looked at him. A little, I guess, but it won't stop a bullet. No. Come, stand here. Odysseus led us to the back side of the bedsheet curtain, splitting the car in half. Now, close your eyes and count to ten. We did. And opened them. Paris was the first to speak. I can see through the sheets. Yes, but only from this side. Okay, we have a chance. Lock the door. It doesn't lock from the inside. Why? Never mind right now. Well, then, thank you for your help, but you've got to go. Lock the door and regroup with whatever men you have outside. It will be easier to protect one person. And if you cannot shoot, then you're going to get in the way. Keep her safe, Odysseus demanded. I won't let anything happen to her. I'm right here, I protested. Odysseus left, locking the door behind him. Paris turned to me. She looked scared. She led me to sit behind a desk covered from the door by her barricade. She smiled at me. Looking in my eyes, she said, You're going to be okay. I know. I trust you. She began to remove her guns from their holsters in sets. The two on her legs, the two on her back, and the two in her boots. She kept the ones at her hips, wrists, and armpits. 
she handed me the two from her legs. Hold them up like this from the barrels. When the shooting starts, hold them out to me. If I take them from you, pick up the next set and hold them out. Got it? Got it, I nodded. No matter what happens, don't get up and stay here behind the desk. Don't peek out. Again, I nodded. She was crouching with me behind the desk. Paris, I asked. Anna, she whispered. I need... I can't. I... I kissed her again. For luck. I'm not worried, though, I lied. This can't be how we're fated to end, I hoped. This isn't our end. I will save you. After all, isn't that what good girlfriends do? I smiled. There was a knock at the door. Paris put one finger to her lips. Shh. I held a hand over my mouth. The door rattled but did not open. From the other side, a voice called, Open this door and send out the woman. There are no women here, Paris called back. But you're a woman, the voice called back. Why is that always coming up, Paris thought. So I am. Thank you for pointing that out. You've been very helpful. Now go away. Open the door. I can't. Why not? Because I don't think we'd get along all that well. Also, the door's locked from the outside. Where are the keys? I don't know. We will simply shoot the door down. I don't think you should do that. Why not? You might hurt me. Or, if there's a ricochet, maybe yourself. Even in the best case scenario, you hurt my door. You never know what could happen if you start shooting things. Paris's mother had lined up six glass bottles along a fence post. At even intervals, each bottle set one foot from each other. Just because you can't be seen doesn't mean you're safe. And just because your enemy is undercover doesn't mean that they are safe. You can kill what you can't see. You just need to know where it is. If you know where it is, you don't always need to see it. Go open the barn door. Paris did as her mother said, and swung the barn door open, then returned to her mother's side. From their view, half the bottles were now obscured by the large wooden structure. Her mother took the gun from her holster and fired a shot through the door without aiming. Paris heard the bottle behind the door shatter. Now, how did I do that? You remembered where the bottles were. Partly, yes. But look at the door. How many bottles can you see? Three. And how many bottles are there? There are six. Well, five now. So, count from the ones you see to the ones you don't. One, two, three, four. Get the idea? Yes. Paris took the gun and followed the line of bottles with her aim. One, two, three, four. Paris fired a shot through the door, breaking the fifth bottle. I did it. Of course you did. Anna, listen to me. Her mother knelt down and looked her in the eyes. This is just a game. But if you lose it, you will die. So before you lose, lie, cheat, steal if it will help. If you want to feel bad about it, you do it later. But don't lose the game, no matter what. Are you going to teach me how to quick draw? 
Fuck no. Never quick draw nothing. If you're gonna face down an enemy, you do it with your gun in your hand. Never walk into the open with your gun in your holster, unless you want to die. Look, someone calls you out, they're trying to get you to play the game with their rules. Make them play by your rules. They will underestimate you. Let them. Let them think they can win. Then kill those fuckers. Why will they underestimate me? Because you're a girl. And they don't let girls play this game. But you're a girl, said Paris. Part statement, part question. Her mother smacked her on the back of the head. Don't remind me, smartass. Jason looked at the tall one and pointed at the door. The tall one stood to one side and fired at the lock at an angle not to shoot into the train wildly. Paris saw the bullet fly through the door. Imagine the landing on the other side of the door, the height of an average man, conceivable distance he could stand from the door. She guessed at where he'd be standing and fired a bullet through the wall of the train car, striking the tall one in the arm. Oh, God, I'm hit, the tall one turned to see the hole the bullet had come through. Paris heard him. Knowing she had guessed right, she fired three more shots at the same spot. The tall one saw three more bullet holes appear next to the first. He looked down at the matching holes in his chest and fell off the train. He hit the ground dead. One, whispered Paris to herself. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.